Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. Tonight, I'm on board a boat in County Clare with a man about to set off solo around the world. Peter Lawless is about to set sail from Kilrush in the coming weeks. He's going solo, non-stop round the world, hoping to be the first Irishman to achieve this feat. I visited him earlier this week in Kilrush Marina, where preparations are well underway. My name is Peter Lawless, uh, originally from Limerick. Uh, I live in Ownescall village outside Dingle, in County Kerry. You're about to set off on an adventure. I'm about to set off... Solo, non-stop, unassisted around the world. I'll be departing from Kilrush in County Clare, doing a full circumnavigation and returning to Kilrush in County Clare again. <laughs> you're, you're going the full way around, around the Capes? Yeah, or oh, the traditional route, yeah, uh, by, via the Capes. Yeah, it's a non-stop route, so it has to be that route. It can't be Panama or uh, the Suez. How long is it going to take you? Um, I estimate eight to ten months. I'm hoping eight. Yeah. I'd be bringing food and provisions for 12. It's a pretty daunting prospect. <laughs> well, it is. and I've had, uh, I've had a couple of years to, to let it soak in. I've been working on this quite a while. so uh, It still is daunting. Yeah, it's, it's massive. It, it, the preparation in itself was huge. Mm. Uh, the trip itself will be, will be massive as well. But I'm very well prepared. You seem to be well prepared. We'll talk about your boat and all the preparations in a minute. But if you succeed in doing this sailing solo around the world, non-stop, you'll be the first Irishman to do it. Endo Canin almost did it, but he had one stop. Yeah, if I'm successful and I don't have to pull in, I'll be the first solo, non-stop, unassisted Irishman, Irish person to, to sail, to do it. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. Is that part of the challenge? At the outset, no. Uh... It's only later on that I had realised that it hadn't been. Uh, I, I just assumed it would have been done. Let's talk, we're, we're down below now in the cabin of your boat. It's, it's called Waxwing. It's quite a very well-known boat. She's a well-known boat. She's a Rival 41, the F-cockpit version. Uh, she's well-known because uh, the couple I bought her from, Peter and Susan Gray, from Dublin, had completed a seven-year circumnavigation in her. She's fairly well kitted out and a very strong boat. It's, it's heavy built. Yeah. Uh, that's, the very first time I saw her was in Valencia, uh, Valencia Island in County Kerry. And I just, I was there, wow, it's the most incredible boat I'd seen. Just the shape of her, the high bow, how, how beefy she was and how strong and elegant at the same time. So she, she did everything. She ticked all the yeah. boxes. So uh, when I bought her, she was fairly well kitted out. Because she had... Um, That's our, our kettle, our tea is on the way there. Kettle's boiled. <laughs> Very important. Um, so she was fairly well kitted out. Some of the equipment was dated, so I, I updated that. Now for this challenge, I've replaced everything. I've replaced the rigging, the sails, uh, uh, you name it. All the electrics. Um, uh, two, two different satcoms, in fact. Uh, I got lucky with a lot of sponsorships, so I got I got a sat phone given to me, and you know, so I've a, I've a lot of equipment put in, so I'll be very well prepared. Just your opinion on putting uh, extra Dyneema sleeves over them. Preparations include checking every rope, line, wire, and shackle on board, with the help of a large number of professionals. While I was there, Peter was going over all the ropes with a rigger. 
Well, the strength of the rope, as you know, is in the center, and that's what takes the wear. I mean, so yeah, I would be. What I'd be saying is, if it did, if it is a case where it is wearing, not cut it off. But you're, you're, be, mo you're moving on the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Just you'll have plenty length. Yeah. I imagine. Now I'm going to show you, if you don't mind, my, my own ropes. Yes. What is that? That's double braid Dyneema, that's what that's called. Now, the ones you have downstairs are actually, they're a stronger, way stronger hardware okay. and rope, you know. So even if the wear. outside parted, yeah, the, I'm, I'm still good. You're still good. The inside will yeah. not break. Okay. okay, the outside of the rope, that's the mistake people make. The outside is just for wear. I know. Just all okay. the strength is in the centre. Okay, you know? very good. Sorry. Peter, we're up on, on deck. What size is she? What size is Waxwing? She's 41 feet. Just a little over 41 feet, I think. Good size? Too big? Too small? Uh, perfect size. I've had her five for more years, I think. I sail her 90% of the time single-handed. I I think if she was much bigger, like, it'd be harder work. The boom height is nice. I can re I can reef her easily on my own. And uh, Those things are important when, you, when you're in yeah. extreme weather. And So, no, I love I loved the size of her. Uh, she's got huge storage for my food, which is a big one, and all my spares. Uh, so, I mean, no, I I couldn't be happier with this boat. I mean, okay. even before I started working on her, I, I just, I, I was in love with her. <laughs> Let's start at the back, okay? The cabin, or the, the cockpit, is quite enclosed, You've but, and you've got a couple of uh, entrances down below. Uh, she's a lovely dry cockpit, as in uh, just just the shape of the boat. She lives to, to, to following seas very well, and uh, you won't be taking, well... You, you don't normally take water into the cockpit. Yeah. Uh, she's well. She's well set up for it anyway, with with uh, self draining and uh, no. She's a beautiful. The cockpit is lovely. She's very easy to single hand with where the winches are by the wheel and uh, you know she's 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 a good setup. Okay. You you've got Orelm, a uh, very important piece of equipment. I have, believe it or not, I have three uh, uh, steering systems. I have the built-in Raymarine. Uh, which is a hydraulic, you know, a hydraulic ram. I won't use that, but it, it's backup. Everything is backup of backup. Uh, Aries Vane Gear in Amsterdam uh, have supplied me with a brand new Aries. That's the big black thing at the back, was yeah, that? Yeah, I'm just fitting that today. It's it's that's a wind vane self steering, so the, there's no power draw on that. It'll uh, serve a pendulum. It, it, it's got it, the thing like a little sail or a wind vane on top. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so. That, as I say, no power draw, so no battery power being used. Uh, you just set it to the wind. Uh, there's control lines come onto the wheel, and it's, it steers waxwing by the ship's rudder. So you, you've, you know. Yeah, it's probably fail-safe. Not a lot of things go wrong there. Not a lot. And because it's brand new, and uh, I got a lot of spares with it. I got uh, lots of bushings, bearings. He just gave me a full rebuild kit yeah. for it. Uh, I also have, you can see on deck, my old one. I took I took this off the hydrovane. Uh, I only took it off the other day. So I'm going to bring that as well. And I've left the pads on the transom in case my rudder breaks. Uh, then I can use this as an emergency rudder. Okay. Like my two my two main worries would be losing my mast or my rudder. Yeah. You're, you're in big trouble then. Let's talk about the mast. It's very well kitted out. How high is that? It's a 16 meter mast and... It, it had originally um, die farm rigging when I bought it, which is 30% stronger than the normal. Uh, because the previous owners had circumnavigated, I presume he chose that. So I replaced it again. Uh, the running rigging, there was a guy here just uh, talking about the rope. That's all yeah. been replaced. That's all new. All Dyneema. 
I've just replaced everything. Everything, and and I have spares of every halyard, every uh, line. I bought I bought two and three of of some of my lines. I mean, as I was ordering, I just I ordered the whole lot. Mm. Just looking up the mass, handily enough, you've got fold out steps if you need to get up there. Yeah, I, I climb it quite regularly. I'll be going up late, uh, later in the week to replace uh, a spinnaker halyard and stuff like that. Uh, it's good practice. I, I do it a lot. Uh, I haven't done it at sea. <laughs> that could be a different kettle of fish, but if you had to, at least I can. Okay. I, I can climb quite easily. I have a very good system. I use a Prisic loop. It's like a mountain climber's loop, mm. so I can't, I, can't, I can't fall. I also bring my safety harness and, and loop it over every step as I go up. So even if I slipped and the rope broke, I still can come down the mast. Uh, it's something I've practiced quite a lot. Looking far, farther forward there, you've got two foresails. I have, I have, uh, yeah, I have a Yankee. That's, that was her rig. She was cut a rig. I have a, a big high-cut Yankee, which is great because it won't catch waves breaking over the deck. I have a, a lovely stay sail. I've had all my new sails. All my sails are brand new. I also have an inner forestay with a hank-on sail. Um, it's, it's clipped in there. Okay. So that, that goes forward, and I can clip on uh, another foresail, the same size as the Yankee. So I can run downwind with two sails out each side, wing and wing. Or if I had a problem with my furler, I still have... Uh, a sail, a working sail that I can hank on, as opposed to a furling sail. So it's backup of backup, of backup. <laughs> okay. Now looking at what else you have here, you've a lot of uh, solar panels all over the place. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time researching those. Uh, a friend of mine, Marco Nani, uh, organises big ocean races. He advised me on this company, Salbian, and I had those made, and I'm delighted. It, the, the, I was waiting for them for quite a while, but uh, now I'm absolutely delighted with them. They're there on deck, we can walk on them. I can walk on them. Uh, they're stuck on. Uh, there's no wires coming from that goes through the deck. It's super setup. I mean, super setup. Uh, they, uh, they, they just, uh, the, the power they're giving out is, is incredible. I can't believe it. I know it's very sunny today now, but uh, two days ago it wasn't sunny and they were still giving out, you know, really good power. Okay, so enough to power all your electronics? Yeah, no, I don't. I won't be running a lot of electronics, but yeah, I, you certainly want power. We're in a power-hungry mm. age. Even, even for phones or tablets or uh, Kindles or you know, um, so yeah, no. So I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't be happier with with the panels. Now, you, we just had somebody here, rope maker, looking at all of these ropes. They're all really very high tech. Yeah, again, I did a lot of research. To, I, I'm in Kilrush Marina, and there's a guy here, Simon. And he, he has a business, Simon McGibney. He, so he advised me on all the ropes and what dyneema, what uh, thickness, what, you know. And he, it was great, the, the rope locker.ie. So he gave me huge info, uh, which was, you know, I, I love getting information. I love learning. Yeah. So to, to hear his opinion was great. You've and replaced almost every rope on the boat? I've replaced every single rope. Uh, kept the old ones and even had extras of the new ones two and three of some of them. The last thing I want to do is run out of rope. <laughs> now, you told me that you've been in contact, our Sir Robert Knox Johnson, first man solo around the world, has been in contact with you, giving you advice. Yeah, believe it or not, I get regular emails from Sir Robin, uh, giving me huge encouragement, which, which is, is vital to me, uh, and f fantastic advice. Uh, a lot of advice about uh, drugs in particular, and keeping the stern... To, to the weather in extreme 
Now, for people who might know, a drogue, you, you, it's the thing you stick out the back of the boat. It could be like a little parachute. It might be just a very long rope. It's to slow you down when the wind is coming behind you because even if you don't have sails up, you're going so fast, you're crashing into the waves ahead of you. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, you, you'll end up, the boat will actually end up surfing. And if she goes too fast, she's going to broach, which means she'll run off either left or right, port or starboard, or she'll dig her bow in and you could you could potentially pitch ball, which is the boat will the bottom of the back of the boat will pass out the front, so that's not good. Mm. So the main reason to tow this rogue, I have two different types. I have one on Sir Robin's recommendations, a two hundred and fifty meter length of a coil of rope that I, I, I just tow behind me off a bridle. Uh, the main reason for that is it, it does slow you, but it, it keeps the stern to the to the waves, to the breaking waves, to the to the big waves. To stop you passing yourself out, you know. Uh, the second one I have is a Jordan series drogue. It's again a big length of line, uh, multi-plat rope, with a series of small little parachutes stitched in or spliced in. That it's called. It's, it's like a break actually. They call it the ocean break, I think. So I'm just giving myself, as I said earlier, every um, every advantage. I mean, when everything goes pear-shaped and you put this out, you know, it's, at least you know you you're in more control. The boat's in more control. Because the biggest danger, and what happens to people regularly on these races, on these ventures, is that the boat turns over, the mast breaks off. Oh, yeah. You know, I will get knockdowns of that, I'm sure. Uh, and you should bounce back up. But the last thing you want to do is, is get a serious broach and, and, you know, with sail up and, and lose your mast. Lose your mast is it's game over. You'll probably lose the mast if you lose the boat, you know. Yeah. Unless you're, you're quite near one of the continents yeah. or one, you know, but it's not good if you break the mast. It's, it's the worst case scenario, as, as happened the, the, the last two Irish attempts. Gregor McGorkin being the last person and uh, Endo Canine just before him, both yeah. the same issue, they both lost their mast. What kind of safety equipment do you have? I see you have a life raft here, offshore life raft. I have all the equipment, everything, and again doubled. I have a new life raft coming. I'll, I'll probably bring this one, it's in date, I'll probably bring that. Uh, why not if I have it? Uh, I've all the equipment, the EPIRBs, I've uh, SAT phone, two SAT systems, in fact, I have the Iridium Go, um, PLBs, I mean, you name it, uh, SSB radio, VHF, yeah, e everything that you could think of that, that, that is even not mandatory. I, I mean, I, I'm not under any rules, but I, I like doing things right. Better be looking at it than looking for it. And if, if something happens to you down in, say, the Southern Ocean, you lose the mast, you're relying on, like everybody else, on, really on passing shipping. Passing shipping, I'd, I'd like to think if, if uh, things weren't damaged too bad that I, I, I have a setup for a jury rig that if, if things were, were not complete loss, I'd like to be able to think that I, I'd love to, you know, yeah. I, I'd hate to have to leave. Uh, waxwing, but if if you do, you do, and you make those decisions yeah. on the time, and you know you you assess the situation. But I, I'd like to think that I might be able to get her in, you know, yeah. if possible. We're going to take a look down below again, if you don't mind. Sure. So down here, you've got several cabins. You've got which cabin are you going to sleep in? I have an aft cabin just in front of the cockpit that I love, but I can't use that anymore. That that'll be storage. And it'll just get too wet there. I have a port and starboard bunk with lee cloths, mm. so I, I'll always have a lee berth. I also have a v berth up the up the bow, but it'd be too much movement up there. So I have no shortage of uh, 
comfortable sleeping. I actually have a company making me um, uh, mattresses, and so I'd be well set up. Yeah. I like my sleep. So. What about your food? What, what are you bringing? Food is a big one. Uh, my wife Cathy is helping me with the food. I've bought enough freeze-dried for the trip. Uh, I don't want to eat that all the time. I've eaten it, and it's very good. It's good quality. Uh, but, I mean, you don't want to eat that. So I'm going to be bringing all the regular Irish favourites. <laughs> Potatoes, onions. So uh, there'll be as much fresh food as you can bring. As, as much fresh food as the weather allows me cook for, as, and as, as I can bring and that will last. Potatoes and onions. Onions last very well. Potatoes, uh, pasta, rice. Uh, you could cook a nice dinner with rice and a can of fish or a can yeah. of, you know, spam even if you had to. Uh, I notice you have a fishing rod up on deck there. Are you able to catch fish when you're going? Are you moving too fast? Uh, I'd say moving too fast. I think in a survival situation you could do it, but I don't think it's practical. Yeah, okay. What What are you going to wear? What, what kind of wet gear do you have? The bad weather... Uh, I talked to a lot of guys that have that have. Uh, there was one Canadian guy who has recently done this. He was the first Canadian, and he said the best money he spent was on his self steering and his wet gear. So I took his advice and I bought uh, all new uh, Musto MPX, the, yeah. the good offshore regular gear. Uh, Dubarry boots. Dubarry yeah. have given me all my boots, so I have a couple of different pairs of Dubarry. And I've tested them and they work well. And I've used them over the years. So yeah, my, they're, my, they're really the only thing that do Barry boots, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they were super to deal with as well. Lovely. Uh, so, I mean, I have three pairs of those. So I can't go wrong. Okay. Can we talk about your chart deck here? Or your chart table? You have a really comfortable chair? Yeah, I did And then, that. did you? Okay. Yeah, I'm a carpenter by trade. And then you've got here, it's like a page, a large page out of a child's school atlas. But you have other charts. Oh, I have. Uh, I oh yeah, that was actually my dad's route. Uh, so I had, my niece laminated that for me. It's just a, it's just like a worktop. It's lovely to look at. Though. Uh, I have. Oh, I've bought paper charts for the whole world. You mentioned your dad. There's a picture of him here on the boat. Tell me something about him. Pat Lawless. We all grew up uh, sailing with my dad. He, he he had us on the water all all the time. When he was off work, he was sailing, and if he was sailing, we were sailing. So he was a super dad. Uh, we all got a huge love of the water from him. So he, when I was about sixteen, uh, he started offshore sailing. He he did a, he hit a twenty six foot Swedish folk boat, and he sailed her to Newport, Rhode Island, single handed, in nineteen eighty six. The following year, he sailed her back. And the following year after that, yeah, with this the before GPS and all that stuff. Oh yeah, he was sextant. I have his sextant here with me. I'm bringing it on the trip. The following year or the year after, he went to sail around the world in the folk boat and he lost her off Cape Town. Uh, she broke a pintle in the rudder and was taking water, so he abandoned her and got a ship into Cape Town. I think the year after that, he got uh, a 30-foot sea dog catch. This was his third attempt, second attempt. Uh, he had to pull into Brazil from fatigue and heat exhaustion. And the following year, <laughs> we really did grow up with sailing. The following year, he uh, he went off and completed a, a circumnavigation on his own. Uh, it took him three years and I think three weeks. He did an interview at one stage with Gay Byrne. We're going to try and get a bit of it to play. Uh, do you remember uh, about this time last year, I think, I spoke to Pat Lawless. And he's a 62-year-old Limerick man who took a notion to sail to America and back and then went ahead and did it. 
And at the end of that interview, he was very coy about his plans for future trips. But I knew, even as he spoke to me, that the bug had bitten and we'd be hearing more of him and his sailing exploits. And this very morning, Pat Lawless left Limerick to sail to Australia and back, alone, single-handed. His route will take him east of the Azores, round the Cape of Good Hope, and at the moment, I'm told, he's heading down the Shannon towards Bonratty. Are you there, Pat? Over. I'm here. How's my old friend Gable? I'm not too bad, Pat, and well done. Where exactly are you at the moment? Over. Coaching Bonratty, but I was telling Nola I had to drop the mainsail. There's a lot of um, net, drift net fishermen, and the nets are across the river. Well, when will you clear the estuary and make the open water, Pat? Over. I'm allowing two days to get to Carrigo Holt, which is the uh, my final departure point, and uh, it'll be, I'd imagine, Sunday in Carrigo Holt. Tell me where your first uh, major destination is, then, when you get out into the open sea. Over. Four legs. Cape Town 1, Melbourne 2, around the Southern Ocean, as you said when I was talking to you last, I turn left at Melbourne, right? <laughs> and I keep, I go around underneath and I come around Cape Horn. My biggest problem is midsummer in Cape Horn is January. Yeah. Keep going east with the strong westerlies and come around um, Cape Horn, the tip of South America and up to Uruguay, Punta del Este. Uh, it's north of the River Plate. My son is sailing past here in the boat in his lap and he's accompanying me down here. He knows I'm talking to you. Okay, over. What kind of boat are you in this time, Pat? Give me the details. Same old board, Gabe. Same old board. No divorce yet. So she's a she's 26 footer, as I remember, and uh, built around, uh, told me, early 70s over. Is that right? Uh, she was 10 years old when I bought her in 85 or 80, winter 85, 86. She's now... 13 years old. Will this trip cure you once and for all, Pat? Over. Well, I tell you that when I come back, Kate. <laughs> Over. All right. God go with you then and have a great, great time and we wish you the very best of luck. He did a good few interviews with Gay Byrne over the radio on the VHF and... Uh, they got on well, the two of them. They were, okay. yeah. Okay. You, we're going to take a look at your charts. Uh, so my charts, everything is a mess. Here's one. Let's see where this is for. Uh, oh, I love paper charts. I grew up with paper charts. This is the South Atlantic. South Atlantic Ocean. So we we have uh, Africa. You've got the two. I look at the one I opened. Yeah. <laughs> Cape Horn. Yeah. So I'd be plotting my position every time I get a position, like you would yourself if, when you're sailing. Yeah. Be, so if anything goes wrong and you lose all power and you can't get a sun fix on site, you'll know where you are, you know, from the last, your last so, position. So you're going, you're going down to Africa and going east? Going east, yeah. I'll be down past the Canaries, Cape Verde, uh, down along, un, under um, Cape of Good Hope. Mm. And trekking east then, as you said, for uh, Australia, New Zealand, and then drop down for uh, Cape Horn. Cape Horn will be probably the biggest challenge you have. When do you have to hit that? Is there a time? Yeah, you're trying, you're trying to hit the Capes for their summer. So it'll be Australia, Christmas, um, Cape Horn, January, February, ideally. I'd have to make a pretty big decision by the time I'm leaving New Zealand, if I have time to get there for that. If I'm running late, I mean... You know, it's a big decision if if you want to hit that late, and you don't want to hit it in winter, <laughs> no, no, or spring, or you know, if you can get it 
you know, it's still going to be rough, and some people are very disappointed. Uh, it's it's quite calm, yeah. <laughs> you know. But so, uh, my first big one, believe it or not, w will be uh, the Cape of Good Hope. You know, you got two oceans meet there. You you gullus currents, and you get big freak waves, rogue waves. I'd be quite happy to get around that and just get into the settle into the Southern mm. Ocean. You're heading off. Do you have an exact date? An exact date? Uh, not yet. Uh, it'll either be the second weekend or the third weekend in August. I have to check the tides. There's quite a few people want to sail out with me. And how does your family feel about it? My family are are, are great. I think my wife is it will be more apprehensive than she's pretending. But they they've been a hundred percent behind me from the word go. I I couldn't. Do, I've I've often said it. I I couldn't do this without their support or their good wishes. It just you couldn't. I mean you couldn't. Just say okay, I'm going. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I my wife is one hundred percent behind me. Thankfully, or otherwise I wouldn't do it. The best of luck to you, good man. Okay, thanks a million. And we'll be keeping up with Peter on his voyage around the world in the months ahead. His brother Pat is also setting out solo around the world. He's taking part in next year's Golden Globe race. We heard from Pat on the program earlier in the year. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme's podcast is on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergo Keane.